enter right in and give God some glory. Amen. Let's sing this song together, How Great Thou Art. Yeah. 
majesty. Oh, worship His majesty. And unto Jesus be our glory, honor, and praise. Oh, majesty, kingdom authority. Oh, from His throne. God, sing with me, how great is 
service at this time. Amen. I believe the Holy Spirit is pleased with your worship. Man, we're going to take some needs before the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> I'd like to ask Brother Bill Walters if he would be ready to take these needs to the Lord for us. Amen. I have a special need for Brother Joel. Um, we're saying that he needs a touch in his body. If you would please remember him in prayer. Also have a prayer request for Sister Jackie Whitlock. Uh, she fell the other day and kind of busted herself up a bit, so we want to remember her in prayer. Amen. We have a lot of families that are out and missing today. Uh, among them are the Harwells. We'll keep them in your prayers. Uh, the Drum family is not with us. Uh, the Reynolds, also and Brother Jeremy's family, are still out traveling, so if you'd remember them in prayer. Um, I want to keep uh, Brother Steve and Sister Sarah in your prayers. They're in Ohio at this time. Amen. And the Bilton family also requesting prayer. Amen. They're home recovering from the virus. Amen. <clears throat> That's all I have at this time. Do you have any spoken prayer requests by uplifted hands? Amen. We'll be praying with you. Come on up here, Brother Bill, and take these needs to the Lord for us. Precious Lord Jesus, we come before you now, submitting these needs before you, Lord. You are truly our all-sufficient God. There's nothing too great for you, Lord. And also, the saints who are streaming today, Lord, the needs they may have also, whether physical, financial, emotional, whatever, Lord, we just submit them to you also. We just praise you for the worship we've had, Lord, towards you. And we look forward to a wonderful anointed service, Lord. And ask you to uh, anoint our brother as he brings the word. Let us put our thoughts aside, Lord, and be totally focused on you. And ask you to bless us this day and give us a special anointing, filling, Lord, of your Holy Ghost. We pray in Jesus' name. may have your seats. We have a special this morning by Brother Keith. Man, if he'd be making his way at this time. I was supposed to do this, do one with the family, but uh, Mitch had got delayed this morning and wasn't able to make it here in time, so uh, I just had this song on my heart for the last little bit. Sometimes it's hard in in the times that we're going through to 
Sometimes to keep your joy, it's easy to let the enemy get a hold of it there. And uh, but I just want to say that uh, I ain't gonna let nothing take the uh, the joy away that I have in serving the Lord. And I'd just like to have y'all help me sing this song here, <clears throat> if I can get the right key here. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Y'all just help me out with this. I have found His grace is all complete. He supplieth every need. While I sit and learn at Jesus' feet, I am free, yes, free indeed. Oh, it is joy unspeakable and full of glory. special uh, from Brother Matt Cross. Amen. We appreciate our special singers, don't we? Amen. Amen. I don't know if we have this song in the database, The Glad Reunion Day. If we do, call it up. I'd like you all to sing it with me. had this song running around in, in my mind the last few months, really. It's, as we lose people near and dear to us, this song brings me a lot of comfort. 
There will be a happy meeting in heaven, I know. When we see the many loved ones we've known here below, gather on the blessed hilltops with hearts all aglow. That will be a glad reunion day. Glad day, oh wonderful day. Glad day, oh glorious day. There with all the holy angels and loved ones who stay. That will be a glad reunion day. When we've been a million years in that wonderful the love of Jesus beholding His face. It will seem but just a moment of praising His grace. That will be the glad reunion day. Oh, glad day. Oh, come forward. Amen. I'd like to sing that song as he's making his way. There is none like you. Amen. Let's remember to be faithful in our tithes and offerings. Amen. We're not taking up an offering in the way we used to do. We have a basket out in the back where you can place those. I'm sure you're all aware of that. So let's just be mindful of that. Amen. Let's sing it together. There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search for all eternity, Lord. 
for this opportunity we have to be able to join together, to be able to sing your praises, Lord, and to be able to stand together as a body of Christ like we should. And we pray now that you would just bless us, Lord, with your presence today. Forgive us of anything that may in any way cast a shadow over this meeting, Lord, or anything that would hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit. I ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you would bring every spirit, including my own, under your control. That, Lord, you may be able to speak and have the preeminence today. We love you. We thank you. We appreciate the opportunity to be together today. And, Lord, we just ask that you would anoint the words and the hearts of the hearers. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. We're going to sing one more little chorus because it sounded so nice when we began this morning. And... uh, Here we are in your presence, lifting holy hands to you. Oh,
seated this morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Thank you, musicians. We'll let you take your places there uh, this morning. We are glad to be able to gather together today in the house of the Lord and uh, to be able to see one another again. I miss you when, uh, when, when we're not together. I sure do. It's so, just so good to see you. I came in through the back today because it sounded so good when I was in my office and uh, uh, I just wanted to you come out and sing with everybody and just come out and uh, see everyone. So we're glad that you're all here today. And uh, we just trust that the Lord will meet with us and speak to us and, and um, have church. That's what it's all about. So this is a, a great opportunity for us. We, um, we, we realize that in the state of North Carolina, you know, numbers of virus cases they fluctuate all over the country, and they go up and down. I believe they're on the upside now in North Carolina. But we, as we have said, we want to continue to practice our good common sense and our separation and so forth. Feel free to wear a mask in, in the church if you so desire. Certainly welcome to do that. And uh, we are uh, you know, just uh, going to do everything we can to try to keep it open, and as we have been doing, and uh, uh, glad for the opportunities that we have. So um, the, other oper- the other alternative, I guess, is to have church outside. But it's getting a little chilly to have it outside. Uh, we want to remember Brother and Sister uh, Hughes today, Troy and Connie Hughes. Uh, they had a, a blowout on one of their windows in their vehicle, and they don't know why, but uh, they really wanted to be here in church today, and uh, we sure miss them. I asked you on Wednesday night to remember... Uh, the need that we have uh, in the shipment of books over into Pakistan. And uh, the, the problem is getting um, Christian material into a predominantly Muslim country. And that's a challenge. We have another option, and the option is to print within the country, and we may do that. Uh, but if you don't mind remembering that need, uh, Brother Anwar is working tirelessly to try to uh, get that done. Everything's all ready. They're at the printers in China. They're ready to go, pull the trigger, and uh, ready to go. But we just uh, want to have that uh, way to get things into there. We want to remember the folks up in Chivak, Alaska, who are locked into their village up there. They're locked in naturally anyway. Uh, but now they're really locked in, and uh, they have the, the virus up there among the believers. And uh, in, if you've ever been, some of you have been, everything kind of centers around the school. The school is one great big building. Everybody, every grade goes to the one school. Uh, it's just an enormous complex that they have up there in that village. So every family would be represented in some way in that school. So if it gets loose in that school, and it did, that affects the whole village. So people can't go in and out. And there's some people up there who uh, are uh, pretty sick, and Brother Andrew has been asking us to remember him in prayer. Two things I want you to watch that are happening in the world today. And uh, one of them is uh, potential changes that are taking place in the country of Russia. Russia is a big uh, player in terms of end-time events, and without going into a lot of details, uh, it seems like that despite Mr. Putin's efforts to try to set himself up as president for life, uh, there are some changes that are taking place there which are really interesting to watch, and they're on the back burner. They're not taking uh, precedent in terms of the news here. 
And, uh, but it is just something to kind of watch. The other thing is, too, that we have an appointment, perhaps, of a Supreme Court justice that's happening this week. Very intelligent, very capable woman that uh, is going to be uh, possibly nominated there. But I'm just throwing this out, and this is a just saying. I'm just saying that now, if she is appointed as a Supreme Court justice, we would have six out of nine justices who are Roman Catholic. And I'm just saying, that's all. I'm just saying, because sometimes it's nice to just say. Hope you're remembering Brother Josh Godwin as well in there. He's uh, searched for jobs, and uh, that's, a, that's a need that we have uh, among us. Now, I wanted you to, uh, Sister Sherry and, and uh, Rosie, it's good to have you today. It's, it's a blessing to have you with us today. And uh, I noticed riding around on the back of Sister Sherry's uh, car today was a little boy. His name is Eric, right? Ethan, Ethan close enough. Ethan, wave your hand back there. Ethan is Nicole's boy. You remember Sister Nicole who came to church here and is back in the area. And uh, Ethan is her son. And I thought, wow, time passes. Time passes. It surely does. Glad to have Ethan with us today. Now, let's put our uh, screen up here, if you don't mind. And uh, I, I want to... Do uh, you want to do this first? I see a cued here. Do you want to? Do you want to? Is that that where we're at? Okay. So let's let's just. I don't have my clicker. I'm sorry. So let me let me do this the manual way. October 17th, which is today, right? Yesterday, Brother Dennis Shepherd's birthday. Uh, I tried to reach out to him yesterday. I don't know whether he got the message there, but Brother Dennis is a faithful listener and supporter. And Brother Dennis, God bless you. Brother Joe Drum's birthday is today. And uh, they're listening today. So we wish Brother Joe all the very best. Uh, Brother Roger Clavel's birthday is October 20th. Sister Faye Coffey's birthday and, and Sister Rose's birthday uh, is the 22nd. God bless you both. And Ethan McCafferty's birthday, not here today. Ethan McCafferty, make sure you pass along our greetings there uh, to Brother Ethan. Now, let me just give you, a, I, I, I want to just show a couple of pictures to you here and a little clip, a little film clip. Uh, we're going to take you first over among the Maasai people and the, uh, the, the gospel is still spreading in that group of people over there. Uh, we are, uh, we are um, just about, we have everything done for me to go visit this village. I, I, wa- I want to go there. It's, it is one of the only things left on my bucket list and then seeing the, the cedars out in um, the Redwoods out in California. And uh, so Brother Elias says he's going to take me. We're, we've got arrangements made. We just need permissions to be able to get in and out of the country and so forth. But uh, the Maasai people, are, are, you know, they're, they're growing in numbers. They're witnessing to one another. And this is Brother Malachi who's bringing books over there and Bibles. So they have new Bibles and they have new church age books that they're bringing over there. And this is one little group in one little section of that region. And uh, these folks are just absolutely uh, they were excited that uh, they were able to have their own new books there. This is the motorcycle that we bought years ago uh, for the missionaries there, and they traveled in and out of that part of the world. So uh, they're getting the mileage out of that motorcycle for sure. And then this is one of the local pastors there who's baptizing a sister in the, uh, in the river. So this is the, the trickle-down effect. It's not just to give somebody a book to have a book. It is to see the, the, the gospel at work. This is the book of Acts, right? 
They hear the gospel and then they respond to that and they realize their need of salvation and uh, submit their uh, their lives to Christ. And so uh, this is just exciting. Let me take you over on the other side. Brother Davy Mwanza, who uh, is in Zambia, uh, has just been a tireless traveler in that uh, region, with the eastern region of Zambia. And uh, he wrote this little note. This is a village called uh, Chipagama. Uh, in the jungle area, but it, but books were distributed to four different churches. So he's traveling around in Chanama and Chitapo and Moyombe and Chipakama, respectively. So this is that group. I think I showed you this picture on Wednesday night uh, that they had there. But these folks are just excited to be able to have uh, materials. This is the group where there's four new books that are coming. The Seals, Church Ages, Daniel, 70 Weeks, and Adoption are on the presses now, and they're ready to go. Matter of fact, they sent me... Uh, before they load this stuff on the ship, they send me carton markers. And, and I have to approve everything that goes on the label for the cartons over there. And uh, they, they have me approve everything and sign off on everything. But when, when the carton labels are approved, that's a sign that we're ready to cargo this onto the ship and uh, off it goes. So we're grateful. Uh, this is a great picture. The, the roads are so bad and so washed out over there that he practically wrecked his, his van going in and out of the villages bringing books. And so this is, I don't know if you can see it in detail, but there's four brothers underneath there, and this is their feet. Uh, this is how they repair vehicles uh, over there, and uh, they got it going, and they, they got it back on the road, so they got home, and they were very thankful for that. This is also in Zambia, one of the local pastors there uh, baptizing uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ over there. Now, we have a little uh, clip from this group of people here, and we wanted just to play this for you. I thought this was really neat, and I'm always blessed to hear this, so uh, we're, we're, we've got it cued here so let's just uh let's just see if we can get this to play and play with enough volume that we can all hear it this will be here we go this is to you we're sending this to you doing is saying thank you amen thank you amen that's all they're singing but they all came out of church and they wanted to send this to you uh in thanks for uh the books and the supplies that they've gotten and uh they're just so excited but i i heard that and i thought wow that's just that's just really uh that's just really neat really wonderful so uh we are uh, excited to be able to do this for the believers over there and uh i just i just get excited when i uh think about this let me take it here and so this is that same group there that was singing. They came out of the church, and this is how they do it. Sometimes they, they have a procession singing out of the church. It's really neat. Uh, and uh, this is that group that, uh, that sends you their thanks this morning.
Let's stand to our feet. Let's take a reading from the scripture. A reading that you probably all have memorized, which is a good one. Hebrews chapter 11, let's take it there. And we want to talk a little bit about this idea of the final exodus, which we are a part of and which is unfolding before us. And uh, we want to talk a little bit about what it's going to, what it's going to be required to get into that, uh, into that final exodus and be a part of it. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5. Heavenly Father, we are thankful, Lord, that we have a revelation of who you are. Because, Lord, we know that you are not discovered. You are not sought after. You are not found on social media. But, Lord, you reveal yourself. And so we pray today that you would just come and reveal yourself a little more to us. That, Lord, in turn we may know ourselves. We commit this service to you now in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hebrews 11.5, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And all the church said, You may be seated. God bless you. I've had my pen for a while. It's got marks and it's dented all in the top here because I use pins as screwdrivers and wrenches and wedges and things. But I've had this for a while, and I really like this, so I got you all one. And I think you all should have one this morning. And if you don't, you're certainly welcome to take one, one out there in the lobby on your way out. But keep it handy because you're going to probably need it a little bit later on here this morning. We're going to talk a, a little about the subject of faith here, and uh, we're going to deal with this idea of the, um, of the final exodus and what that means to us. And I appreciate your comments on the, uh, on the phone and after services when we broadcast. Uh, now you can do the same, but without your phone. So you can uh, use your mouth to convey the amens this morning if you like. Uh, that would be really great. Now, I wanted to uh, just say this from the very beginning here, that we, we talk a lot about faith. Faith is, is uh, certainly an integral part of who we are and what we believe and how we practice our, our, our understanding of God. Faith is, is uh, central to it, because without faith it's impossible to please God. So uh, I guess we could say as a cornerstone or as a foundation uh, faith is where it all starts. You have to have faith in God. You have to have faith in a higher power. And as I said already in that little prayer, that, uh, you know, God is not, uh, he's not sought after, and you cannot research enough to find out everything you need to know about God. He is revealed, or he unveils himself. And, and that's what's, that's what's uh, you know, in a sense, it's a bit of a stumbling block to a lot of people uh, because they feel like they know God because they've been in church all their life. Or they feel like they've had good teachers or good research uh, practices so they can find out about God. But you know what? You can know a lot about God in the history of God, in the book of God. You can know a lot about the people of God. But God reveals himself. He unveils himself. And he doesn't do that to everybody. He doesn't reveal himself in the same way. Uh, for instance, like it, uh, obviously, and this is going to be simplistic in the beginning here, uh, just to say this, that uh, the people back in the days of Noah, 
everybody knew something about God by the time it was all over, but they had very different or contrasting understandings of God when it was all over. Right? And so we, we, we know that when it comes to faith, you'll find that Brother Branham began his ministry with the sermon, Faith is the Substance, and he never stopped. He never, he never quit talking about the subject of faith. You'll find it in just literally about every single sermon all the way right to the very end because it is so central and such, so very much a part of what we are and who, who, we, uh, who we are and what we believe. We live in kind of an age of skepticism, don't we? We live in an age now where there's hardly any absolutes left. I'm so glad that God thought of the concept of an absolute and had a prophet reinforce it for us in this last day because everything today is debated. Everything is just about, just about everything is doubted. Uh, everything is contested, whether it's a diagnosis or whether it's a pronouncement by a politician. And we hear lots of that in the season that we're in. Uh, no matter what it is that's decided in different nations, a lot of it is, uh, is, is meant to throw you off. Or what we, we've come to know the term fake news, which is very common in our world. And, and they say that fake news really travels a whole lot faster than the real thing. The real thing very often is quite boring. Uh, but the fake news really travels a long way. Like if, you know, if the headline comes out tomorrow and say, uh, Donald Trump visited by Elvis, who's just back from the moon, everybody, whoa, whoa, what's that? Right? Uh, and, and so it, I'm making light of something that's really a very serious thing. Because we live in an age where skeptics abound. And it isn't just the media's fault. Uh, educators, a lot of times, have sown a lot of doubt in a lot of people's minds about things, right? And uh, authorities, people who should be consistent now, they've, made, uh, they've turned things that shouldn't be political into political uh, discussions. And uh, now you're labeled one side or the other. And it's, it's difficult, really, to know what's right and who's right and which way we should go. Imagine if you were in the world without having the message of the hour and a relationship with Christ. Imagine if you had to navigate yourself through all of this. Imagine what it would be like without having a thus saith the Lord uh, as, a, as a resource to draw from in our time. I will tell you, uh, it, it, it'll be a, to me, it would be a daunting thing. We kind of don't know that. We don't know what that means because we've been used to relying on the Word of God and we've been taught and coached and, 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 and uh, instructed to lean upon His arms of understanding, haven't we? And so for that, you should be very thankful. For that, you should be very appreciative that we have uh, the understanding that we have and the resource that we have and the insistence that we go back to that resource every time. To the point where we, we are, in a sense, we're kind of naturally, uh, in a good way, we're, we're naturally um, not relying upon things that are out there. It's not necessarily skepticism, but, uh, you know, we, we, we hear what goes on out there. But, in a sense, we're unfazed by it because we're always going to measure everything by the absolute that God's given to us. God's proven that that absolute is right. So, in a sense, we don't have the same worry or the same fears that people have in trying to figure out who's right, what's right, which way are we going, where's this all going to end. That's a great question today, because a lot of people feel like, uh, you know, after the election, everything is going to be great, everything's going to be over, everything is going to be all finished up uh, on November 5th, and everything will be just fine, right? And then it isn't going to be. 
And then people are thinking, wow, how about all these stores that, Brother David and I were talking about all these stores that rely on end-of-the-year sales, Christmas sales to survive. And, you know, uh, the, the repercussions in the economy that ripple down through and uh, education and all the rest of it. And, and, you know, in a sense, I'm just so glad I don't have to navigate this with my understanding of things. Until the bride goes. I just know this, that I, I, I believe that God knew everything that's happening before it actually began to happen. I believe he knew that. And I believe, therefore, that we are not left here to our own devices. I believe that we are under a leadership that's guiding us through and around everything that would hinder the rest of the, uh, the world. But God is guiding us and leading us in and through everything that faces us the place where we will come to a door and finally make a step through that door, somebody ought to say amen. He's leading us to a place where we can make an official exit from this world and leave this place in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. That's what it's come down to, right? I believe that. Do you really believe that? Do you believe that just because I asked you to say amen at that particular point? Or do you really believe that God is actually in control and leading you to, to your exit from this world? Remember now, you've got to find the exit that's different from a funeral home where everybody else went. Right? You're among the people that are going to find an exit on your two feet, not on your back. And so, therefore, we are, we are heading towards that, and that's, that's the way it's going. I, I, I'll tell you what, I lament the fact, often I lament the fact that we lost several of our dear saints over this year, Sister Carol and Brother Larry and Sister Molly and, you know, different ones. And, and I lament the fact that we were not really able to mourn them properly. It's almost like, you know, um, it's just something left undone. I don't know... Everybody wasn't, be able, wasn't able to attend the funerals and, and the services that were there. And we're not really, not allowed to do this, not allowed to do that. And I, I just, I, I lament that. I, I just, somehow I think that when I leave this world, I, I, think, it's, I think it's good to get people together and, and, and to be able to sing together and praise God together for a person's life. And, and to be able to have spaghetti salad over in the fellowship hall afterwards and, and do the whole thing, do the whole, the whole nine yards. And when I, if I pass away before the bride goes, you, you need to make some spaghetti salad and have it over there. And I don't want to do that. I, I would rather go. In a sense, we've sacrificed a lot because of the conditions that we're in. But I don't think that we're at the end of sacrificing due to conditions. I think the circumstances in this world are probably never going to go back to what we would refer to as being normal. <clears throat> Oswald Chambers made this statement, and I thought it was good. Faith is a deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways you may not understand at the time. Let's talk a little bit about faith. Well, let's do it in a very simple way, a little bit of a different way this morning. Faith is a deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways you may not understand at the time. You're never required to have a perfect understanding of everything that is going on in this world or where the Holy Spirit's leading you. You may not have a perfect understanding of that. I only know that he's the one who's in control. Brother Branham said this in the message called Father, the Hour Has Come. He said, faith is what you do not see. It's what you believe. Faith is what you do not see. It's what you believe. You do not see it, but there's something inside of you sees it. 
And that's God that's inside, sees his own word being made manifest. Let me say that. I I thought this was a great statement. Faith is not what you see, it's what you believe. And you do not see it, but there's something inside of you sees it. What is it that's inside that sees you? It's God himself inside seeing his own word being made manifest. Then it's not you really that is required to figure it out or even to believe it. It's Christ in me believing his own word. I said it's Christ in me believing his own word. I mean, how can you miss it if God who wrote it and knows the interpretation of it is now living inside of me to believe what he wrote himself? Hey, listen, you just got to get yourself in harmony with him and follow him all the way. Because there are things or circumstances in your life you cannot change. There are things you find yourself involved in that, you know, you, you, you have, your hands are, are off. You know, in, in a sense, it's kind of like, you know, the, the, the world that we're in now, the virus that we're in, it's, it's a world where uh, you really can't do much to change anything, right? You just really, we just have to go with this until something happens, but uh, our hands are off it in a sense. And there are situations in your life that will come up that are really not your doing at all. They are, they are things that happen around you. They happen in spite of you. And you have to deal with it. You have to roll with it. You have to adjust to it. And for some people, adjustment is a difficult and a terrible thing. Let me give you an example of that. Back where I come from in Newfoundland, <clears throat> the northern part of our uh, province is Labrador. And between Newfoundland, the island, and Labrador, there's a little town on the mainland of Newfoundland called St. Anthony. And uh, back in the uh, very early 1900s, there was a doctor who came over there who was assigned uh, a position. He was a British-born doctor and a Christian, and uh, he was assigned a, a post uh, by a group which is now not even in existence. It is an association for the deep water fishermen. I never knew that existed until last night, and they don't exist today. But he was a doctor from England who was assigned as a post in, in Newfoundland uh, because Newfoundland was cons- uh, consisted of uh, mainly just deep water fishermen. And they lived around the coastline of Newfoundland. There was no roads in, in the central part of Newfoundland for years and years and years. Everybody lived around the coast. As a matter of fact, they never settled Newfoundland until many, many years later. Uh, the, the people sailed over from England and Scotland and Ireland and places. They sailed over uh, from Portugal every year. And the first person who got there was the governor of the land. It was a strange setup. And they were a colony of, of uh, England for many, many years. So this barren, forsaken land called Newfoundland uh, had lots of fishermen up in the north where all the cod stocks were. And this is, St. Anthony is in the pathway of the Iceberg Alley. Iceberg Alley contained one of those icebergs that took the Titanic down. Very cold, very barren, very bleak. As a matter of fact, this is a nice picture here uh, you're seeing on the top. Sir Wilfred Grenfell was that doctor who was assigned to the coastline of northern Newfoundland to visit fishermen and make sure that their well-being was looked after. So he mended lots of different issues. There was tuberculosis in Newfoundland. There was lots of other things that uh, he dealt with there in very, very primitive conditions. He was a great man, a very honorable man. And because he was a Christian, he had great faith in what he was doing and God's, uh, God's oversight of his work. And so he would travel by boat. 
and go around the coastline and minister to people. And also he went by dog team up in the north in the wintertime, and he would travel around and minister to people. And This is a hospital ship in the lower corner here. And he took that, and they had flags from just about every country, and they would sail around the coastline and visit people. He'd be the only doctor many people would see for years. There was even a stamp that was made in honor of Sir Wilfred Grenfell. I think in the faith series of books, there's probably one out there. Uh, I know I bought it uh, for the kids, but there's one out there in the library when we get it back open. He's a very, uh, very much a household name uh, up, up our way. We, uh, we knew all about Sir Wilfred Grenfell as we were growing up. And there's a place called Grenfell House, which he and his wife designed and built and still stands up there in Newfoundland. Now, Dr. Grenfell was not a squeamish kind of a guy. He was a gutsy doctor, and uh, he often would go remote places in order to see his patients. And one day, he got out on a dog team like this out on pack ice. Pack ice is the ice that breaks up and flows into a harbor, and it's all moving. It's never stationary, but you can walk across it. So you can walk across the harbor if you have pack ice, and uh, it's not connected. It's all broken up like ice cubes in your cup. And Dr. Grenfell was on one of those ice flows uh, in a certain part of Newfoundland there, and eventually the wind changed. And when the wind changed in Newfoundland, everybody always knew it, and it blew that ice very quickly out to sea. So Dr. Grenfell and his dogs were out there, and they were floating farther away from the coastline uh, as the day grew on. And he was hoping that somebody had seen them. As a matter of fact, uh, he, because he was a doctor and he was out there quite a while, he knew his dogs were not going to live, and uh, he found a way to mercifully kill his dogs and uh, use the dogs for pelts for himself. Sorry, kids. And uh, he also took one of the pelts and made a flag for uh, his little ice raft that he had, and he was hoping that somebody would see him. He'd done everything he could to protect himself from the elements. He'd done everything he could to signal uh, to the mainland that he was out there floating away out to sea. And once he got out to sea, and the waves got a little bit uh, harsher and the cold temperatures there, he would have died within a very short period of time. So he knew how serious this was. But being a man of faith, after it was all over, and they found him and rescued him and brought him back, this is what he said. He mercifully killed his dogs and made a coat out of their hides, put it up a distressed flag and lay down and slept. And later he said, there was nothing to fear. I had done all I could. The rest lay in God's hands. That's a man of faith. There's some things that you can do, and then there's other things you can't. And he could not make something happen. In a sense, he was completely at the mercy of God. And so he simply said, I lay down to sleep and there was nothing more to fear. I'd done all that I could. Now, when we talk about faith, it's really quite a simple thing, but it kind of gets, it's kind of like tying your shoes. It gets complicated and then it comes back easy again. But let's just talk a little bit about it now from a perspective that we're familiar with. In Jehovah Jireh number three, Brother Branham says, now every word is true. How many believe that? Every word is true. I may not have enough faith to make every word of it act, but I certainly wouldn't stand in the way of anyone that did have that faith. Enoch had faith enough one day to make, take an afternoon stroll with God and just kept on walking and went home without dying. Now, I think the church has got to come to that, to a rapturing faith. 
So this is our goal. We know what our, our stated goal is. We've got to come to a place where uh, we have the same kind of faith that will allow us to transcend this world and transcend life itself and walk into another dimension without death like Enoch did. Our goal is very simple. Our goal doesn't need to be any more complicated than that. we got to get whatever he got to get where he went. Are we okay? Noah, are we okay? we got to get whatever he had to go wherever he went. And, and that's, that's our goal. It's a, it's a very simple goal. It's, a very, uh, it, it's, it's obvious that if this is our promise and this is our mandate or our commission, this is exactly what needs to be done. So, and then we have to ask the question, the obvious question, Lord, how do, I, how do I achieve that kind of faith? How do I achieve that kind of communion with God? And that's what we need to talk about because we are the people who find ourselves in the final exodus. You didn't put yourself here. You didn't vote for one, two, or three, or none. You're here. God placed you here, right? And he said, I want you to be here right now. Joel, I want you to be here right now at this time, doing what you're doing right now. I, I, I want you to, to be here. But I don't want you to stay here. I have more for you. I want to unveil more. I think I said it on Wednesday night when God talked to Moses in the burning bush. And God, remember, it says that God remembered his covenant to the people of Israel. It's not that he forgot. It's just that there had to be a season and a time where this actually happened. And God knew, God knew his people, and he knew he had more for them. Their, 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 their state was not to remain in Egypt. It was not to remain in that uh, place called Goshen. As good as it was, it was not where God wanted them to be and where God had promised them to be. They had to leave from there and get out. But they could not do it on their own now. They were hemmed in by the bondage of Egypt, and God had to get them out. But the nice thing about it was, is that God was committed to get them out even more than they were committed to leave that place. They were, they were absolutely under that leadership of God. And he did what he did to propel them or thrust them right out of Egypt and into that promised land. God did it. At the end of it, when they got in there, they couldn't say, well, you know, Lord, we're a pretty good team. They couldn't say that because it was really God who got them into where they needed to be. I believe the parallel is exactly the same in our time. Now, let me divert for a moment here and just say this. that uh, This is just, I'm going to give you three slides that are a diversion. I want you to stay with me. John chapter 15, if you keep my commandments, he said, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. This is where I live every day. This is where I walk every day, is in that atmosphere of an intimacy with God, and that's, that's where I am. That's where I operate out of. Now, let me say it this way. I, I, was, I was just illustrating this the other day. If I can, if I can do it this way, all right, uh, I need to draw a circle. Why, why don't I just use the flat portion here and just say that's a circle. Now, just as an illustration, if that's, if that's your marriage, a, a man and a woman... They're going to operate inside the circle here. Let's put X and Y. Why don't we put a Y in here for the, for the male and female? Okay, they operate inside their, in their marriage. That becomes their world. They're, they're married people now. Before they were married, though, it would look like this. Circle over here to circle over there. So we had an X. I didn't pre-plan this, so you're going to have to forgive me here. This is the old manual way of, of doing it. I call it the African PowerPoint. I, sh- I could show you where they have the, the piece of paper and everybody writes on it. So before they were married, they were two single people. They were X and Y. If, if, a, if a couple gets married and they just go like this, they draw a line or a chain between the two of them, you know what? They're still operating in two separate worlds. 
and they're not really become one. They've not really become one. It's when they step out of this individual bubble and they come into this together. Now, everything operates out of that circle, out of that relationship. Now, it's not my children or my job or my income or my retirement. It's everything about this now becomes ours because we're operating inside this circle called marriage. Are we okay? And, and this is what Jesus is, is simply saying here, that uh, when, it comes to, uh, when it comes to his relationship with God, he says, if you keep my love, you shall abide in my Father's love, even as I have uh, in my Father's commandments. So Jesus is not operating as, I, I'm a person here and I get to do what I want to do, and God gets to do what he's going to do, and the stronger wins. That's not the way that Jesus is telling us this. He's telling us that, you know what, we're, a, we're in the same circle together. We're in this together. And, and, and we are where we are today because we have united with him. We've submitted our lives to him and we're, we're united with him. Do you believe you're united with Christ? So, so everything we do operates out of this circle. And so this is our destiny. This is our future. This is our goal is to come to the marriage supper. It's not just his and whether we agree with it or not. We're in this together. I've, I've, I've willingly submitted myself to, uh, and, and surrendered myself to come inside this circle. And you know what? Inside this circle, he is Lord. Right? And so where he goes, I go. What, what he loves, I love. And what he hates, I hate. And, and because we're, we're operating as one inside of this realm, this relationship that we have. That's why, uh, you know, when, when we see God dealing with hearts and some of, some of the uh, folks, you know, surrendering your hearts to Christ and being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that's a tremendous thing because they're really saying, I, I, I want to get inside this circle. I want to be with him. I want to, I want to have a, a more intimate relationship than just this connection here. Because you know what? You can have a connection like this by being a good churchgoer. You can, you can have a good family, good Christian family, and being a part of that. And, and you, can, you, you, know, you can be connected to the church that way. Let me tell you, that's not what Jesus is talking about here. And that's not what he's after in your life. He's after, he's after this. He's after this union with him. Does that make sense? And I, he says, then, these things have I spoken unto you that... My joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. i got something to tell you. This is just a bonus here. That when it comes to true liberty, there's more liberty in Christ and in the kingdom of God than there is in this world with no restrictions on your life. You know what? If, if some, you, you, I, I've marveled. I've marveled at some young people who want to get out of their father's house. They want to get away from all authority. They didn't want to go to school. They didn't want to do anything. They didn't want to have anybody over them. I just want to you know, do my own thing. Many times those people are way more bound than Christians are. Because in Christ you've been set free to become everything God predestinated for you. And not only that, you have life and have it more abundantly than anybody else. You have way more freedom in Christ than you do out in the world. Because if you're out in the world without Christ, you're going to fall into traps. You're going to fall into a pattern of drug use or alcohol or, uh, you know, being bound by your friends and the, and the, and the peer pressures of the world and uh, music and all the other things that are out there. And the rat race that makes you feel like, i got to be this and i got to keep up and i got to uh, make so much money and all the rest of it. You're constantly being told what to do. You're constantly being told what to wear, right? 
You're constantly having things imposed upon you because you live in a society uh, that loves to have everybody, uh, you know, uh, involved in that rat race. Hey, when you're in Christ, the rat race ended. I have way more freedom in Christ. I've lived in both worlds. I live fully in both worlds. And I can tell you, I have way more freedom now as a Christian than I did when I was in the world. And I could do the drugs, and I could do the, uh, you know, live an immoral life. And I could smoke, and I could carouse, and I could travel the world with a knapsack on my back. Still had the knapsack to prove it. And I could do all of those things, but I was completely bound by sin in that period of my life. I feel like I'm way freer now. Still traveling the world. But you know what? Now you're, now you're running with a message. Now you're running with a purpose. And now you have a joy and a peace and all the other things. And you have forgiveness with God. And you know what? Whether I live in this world or whether I die and go to the other world, you know what? Really doesn't matter. Hey, I'm happy either way. I'm at peace either way. <clears throat> so let me ask you about your faith this morning. Everybody got your new pen and a piece of paper? All you need is a piece of paper. And I want you to take a look at these beans here, these black beans. I'm going to ask you two questions. Number one, give me your best estimate as to how many beans are in this jar. You knew I was going to ask that, Brother Aaron. Go ahead. Make a guess. You're an accountant. You should be, you're a bean counter, right? You should be leading the pack here. Best guess. Write it down. I need you to write it down. On your piece of paper with your new pen, how many of you think are there? You can't Google this. <clears throat> and the second thing I want you to do is write down what your favorite song is. I'm not going to ask anybody what your favorite song is, but I want you to write down what your favorite song is. <clears throat> Brother Jeff's over there. The steam is coming up around his collar, trying to f- peg that as best he possibly can. Remember, these are black beans. Not that that matters at all. Give me your best guess as to what this number of beans is. Now, there is a point to this. Not that I just wanted you to use your new pen, but there is a point to this. And write down the name of your best song as well, your favorite song, the one that you like to hear, <clears throat> the one that you listen to in your car by yourself as you're going down the road and nobody has to listen to it with you. All right. <clears throat> so in this jar, there are 2,042 beans. Anybody close? Jeremy. 2056. Anybody else closer than that? Well, we'll have to say everybody else is dead silent here. We'll have to give Jeremy the prize after church. Uh, We'll give him a bean burrito. How's that? (laughs) Now, favorite song. How many of you are closest to the right answer? It's your favorite song. Why can't I ask that, Joe? Why can't I ask that question, who's close to the right answer, about the favorite song? Because everybody's got their own favorite song, right? There's probably no two same songs here written down on a piece of paper, right? I would say it's probably no two same songs. So, Okay. <clears throat> One of these things is a fact. The other one is how you feel. It's your opinion. Which is your faith more like? The beans or the song? 
You don't need to answer that question. Is your faith based on what you feel is right? Or is your faith based on the facts of our faith? Which one? And I would ask you the question, <coughs> if I wanted to see a show of hands, and I won't, because some of, you, some of your lights are going on, I would say this. In a sense, there's no right answer to the question I've asked, except to say this. We stand on the precious promises of God. And God forbid that we would stand on things simply because we feel they're right. Are we okay? There's some people that feel that Eve ate a, uh, um, an apple in the Garden of Eden. Or if they feel very sure that that's what happened. But they're not right. Some people feel that when they die, they're going to turn into a cloud, a puff, and they're going to float around forever or sprout angels' wings and be on the other side as an angel. They feel that they're right. And they feel it's a part of their faith. That doesn't make them right. We have to have a more sure word of prophecy, Right? And so Peter said, we're not believing cunningly devised fables. We're not, we're not believing stories that people have said or things that people have made up about the faith. But rather, we're believing in a sure word of prophecy, the things that God has said, thus saith the Lord. And so for us, it's not a question of, well, this is my favorite uh, doctrine, or, but this is my favorite doctrine. And, uh, you know, for instance, you know, some people might say, well, uh, it's okay for, uh, it, it's okay for, let me give you an example here that's a very common example, one that's self-evident. Let's say this, that, uh, and this one comes to mind here. It's okay if I marry a person or go with a person who's not in the faith. Because you know what? I really love them. And they feel like that's okay. They feel like that's all right because they have feelings of love. They have strong feelings of compassion towards somebody. But just because they feel that way doesn't make it correct in the eyes of God. Remember now, if you're inside the circle, he's Lord, and we're doing everything in a way that pleases him. Hasn't he done a lot to please us? Sure he has. And it's a relationship of communion that we have, an intimacy. So we live to please him. That's one of those things that's very clear in the Word of God. So we are to marry like kind, right? Or we say that, uh, you know, I don't need to pay my tithes. Uh, you know, in our church, we're okay. I don't need to pay my tithes. I, I, I feel like that I'm a, I'm a responsible person, and I give uh, what I can, and I, I, I'm faithful with that. But I, try, I just try to give what I can. But, uh, you know, it, it says a tenth part, but I think, like, if I give a fifth part or a twenty-fifth part, a quarter, I, I'm, I'm okay. You know what? I think that's okay. It ain't. It's always the same. It's, it's, it's the thing that God has determined in his word. That's what matters. Faith is based on something real. Brother Branham taught us all the time that faith has to have a foundation. It has to have something that's solid for us to be able to stand on. Now, let me just jump ahead a little bit here. Brother Branham tells us, he said that God always gives us a sign of warning before something happens. And then he says again, before great disasters happen, God always gives us a warning and makes a way to escape. He prepares it, just like he did in the days of Noah. He makes a way of escape, but he also gives a warning as well. 
so that people would know what's coming and they know what lays ahead and know what they need to do. Because it's, it's one thing to know that there's a storm coming. It's another thing to know what to do to prepare for that storm and then to be ready for the aftermath of that. So, again, the world falling apart in 1963. The last name that's redeemed and put on that book, that settles it. He's come to claim what he redeemed. It might be a strange time. How many believe we're living in that time he's talking about? Look at it again now. The last name that's redeemed, put on the book, that settles it. And he's come to claim what he redeemed. And that might be a strange time. So in the hour that, for instance, you know, we're sending books around the world and uh, seeing revivals in different remote areas of the world, maybe that's, I don't know, I don't, really don't know, but maybe that's the last sweep around the world in strange and remote places where the last seed might come in. We would certainly agree with Brother Branham that we live in a strange time, right? And it possibly could get even stranger than what it is right now. But strange in this sense also. Read on. Did you ever think people might right, go on preaching and the, preach will go, uh, and the church will go right on thinking they're getting people saved and so forth? Strange in this sense that the world easily could be united in appealing to God for relief of the symptoms that, are, that exist in our world today. The world could be uh, unified in a sense that, uh, you know, they want to have deliverance from, from I, I think everybody uh, would probably agree that we'd like to see this, the things that we face in our world behind us. And what if there were things that were worse that came upon us? What about if the economy uh, suffered, uh, you know, strikes against it that really made the recovery just about impossible? We're not used to living without all of our luxuries and our connectivity, Right. And we're not used to living without certain things, unless you're old enough to have lived through the wars. We're we're, kind of not. Most of us don't even have a clue what that would be like to live in a world where we didn't have all the conveniences that we have today. And I'm not being critical of that, because I haven't either. Uh, You know, we've we've read about it, we've seen it, we look at it in history and everything else. But here's Brother Branham telling us that in this time, he said, religion's going to go right on, and preaching's going to go right on. People thinking they're getting saved is going to go right on. All of that will exist in this strange time where God's doing something definitive, but there are people who are shut out of the awareness of what God's doing. Because remember now, God is revealed. He's not figured out. He's not learned. God is revealed. He reveals himself. And so in this last day, there's all kinds of things that are going on in this strange time. But God's revealed to the bride of Christ what exactly has taken place and where we're going. Are we okay? Everybody all right? So like I told you last Sunday, I believe it was, uh, that we have a, uh, a scenario where we know that where God is and we know where our place is and so forth. It's nice when things are simple. Um, and we know exactly where we are in the whole scheme of things, and if God be for us, who can be against us? But we find in our world it's complicated, and there are all kinds of things that are being said. There are all kinds of things that are being done in our time that uh, make, decisions, uh, make decisions harder to make or make choices harder to make. And so what I'm simply saying to you is that when all of this is said and done, <clears throat> there is a path for the people of God that he has made that you're going to have to walk by faith. Now, here's where you need to take your Bible, if you don't mind. Isaiah chapter 60. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 60. Again, this is a scripture that we could all quote from the very beginning here. Arise and shine, for thy light has come. <clears throat> and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness cover the earth. 
The darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. I don't have a whole lot of strong voice here, but let me ask you this. How many of you believe that we're living in these days? All right, this is a prophecy in a series of chapters that prophesy things that are going to happen in the last day. We don't need any convincing of the first three verses here. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. We live in the time of the rising of the sun, and we don't need any convincing at all that we're living in this particular time. But let's read on just a little bit further here. And we want to scan this chapter just a little bit here as we look at some important points. And God talks about restoration here. He talks about the praises of the Gentiles. Look at verse 6. And the multitude of camels shall cover thee, the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah. All of Sheba shall come, and they shall bring gold and incense, and shall show forth the praises of the Lord. And all the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together unto thee, and the rams of Neboth shall minister unto thee, and they shall come up with acceptance on mine altar, and I will glorify the house of my glory. In other words, God is saying it's all going to come back to a place of restoration where Israel will be the center of things again. And he said they'll come from Sheba like they did before. And God's, God's place will be predominant in the world. God's place will be noticeable in the world. Now you can read all down through here, but I want, you to, I want to just highlight a few things. Go down to 17, if you will. <clears throat> chapter 17 of the same chapter here. For brass, I will, for brass I will bring gold, and for iron I'll bring silver, and for wood, brass, and for stones, iron, I'll also make thy officers peace and thine exactors righteousness. So your taskmasters will no longer rule over you. They will now become, your, their, their exactors in the Hebrew, they will become righteousness. So I'm going to take weak things like wood and I'm going to turn them into something uh, more permanent. I'm going to take things that are of no worth like, like brass or not as much worth and I'm going to turn them into gold. <clears throat> now think about this. When, do you t- when you think about prophecy, it always has a compound meaning. Think about what God's done in your own life. He's taken something quite worthless and turned it into something very valuable, right? Redemption is all about taking something that's in the pawn shop because it lacks value and, and justifying it by buying it and then turning, transforming it through a process and bringing it into something that's of great worth and great value to God, right? And so this is the same idea that God is telling about Israel, and he's telling about the land of Israel. He's telling about how in this end time God's going to take things that are of no worth or no count, and he's going to make them into something great. Now think about this, all right? When you're thinking about these ideas, think about the bride of Christ and who we are. We are just really the offscouring. We're people who left churches, right? That's our testimony. We are, we are people who left somewhere to come to where we are today. And the world may not, I mean, they don't really have any notice of us or any interest in us. But you know what? God's taken us and turned us into something very valuable to him. This is the bride of Christ we're talking about. But came out of nowhere, came out of the gutters of the world, and came out of denominational systems, and came out of all of that. And now God's turned us by His grace. He's turned us, not because of our worth, not because of something we've done, but He's turned us into something that He keeps His eye on continually. He loves us in a great way. And He shows mercy and grace continually to us. How many can say amen? And God does that. And, and, and he, has, he has us in His eye continually. Well, let's read on just a little bit further here, if you will. Violence shall no more be heard in thy land, wasting nor destruction within thy borders. But thou shalt call thy walls 
salvation, and thy gates, praise. Walls and gates, salvation and praise. Got it? Walls and gates. Here you go. Walls and gates, salvation and praise. And the sun shall be no more thy light by day, neither by night for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee. But the Lord shall be unto thee the everlasting light and the God of glory. You understand what he's saying here? That the people who he's talking about here they have had a replacement go on. That we're not looking at the natural things for our light, but he has become our light. You understand, we, we've been weaned away from the natural things. That's not what we depend on. We don't depend on the natural things of life. Now, He has become our light. He has become our source of strength. He has become our guide. He is the one that illuminates our path. You understand what I'm saying? We're not looking to the government to, to help us through. We're not looking for natural resources. We're not looking for your money to see us through. We're not looking for Brother Barry to see us through. No, sir. We're not looking for William Branham to see us through. He has become our light. Christ has become our light. And this is what, this is what uh, Isaiah is prophesying for Israel and prophesying of the people in the last day. Remember now, we're included in this because there is a gross darkness that's over the people of the land. Not over everybody, but over the people of the land there's a gross darkness. But there's other people here who are in the light. And they have the faith. And they are on the right way to the right place. Are you following me? How can you not? This is simple. Salvation, praise. Gates, walls. Got it? All right. What is that? What's the significance, Brother Barry? Hurry. What's the point? <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 62. Follow down with me. In the end of this chapter... Isaiah is very clear. He says, go through, go through the gates, prepare ye the way of the people. Cast up, cast up the highway and gather out the stones and lift up a standard for the people. And behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the end of the world. Say, that's us, isn't it? The people who live in the end of the world. Everybody reading? He has proclaimed unto the end of the world, Say ye to the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy salvation cometh. Behold, thy reward is with him, and his work before him. And they shall call them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And thou shalt be called sought out, a city not forsaken. That's what they're going to be called in that day. And he says, Go through the gates. Go through the gates. Go through it is that God has created here. Go through the gates. Gates are praise. Right? Cities are comprised of walls and gates. And the walls are our salvation, and the gates are our entry into that place. And so he's saying, go through, go through those gates, and come over onto the other side, ye that are redeemed of the Lord. I can't seem to change this here fast enough. Here is the same verse in, the, in a different translation. Go out through the gates, go prepare the way of the people to return. Smooth out the road, pull out the boulders, raise a flag for all the nations to come. Our job is to go through the gates. He does not say to the people at that time, and again, this is all the uh, revelation to these people, the prophecy to the people who live in the end time. He doesn't say to sort out every problem. He doesn't say that we are to have solutions for the world around us here. But rather, we have one goal. We have one intent, and that is to go through the gates, the right gate. He has identified the right gate. How many would agree? 
He's identified the right gate. We go through that gate of praise, and he says, go through it, go through it. Don't stop, go through it. No matter what the world stops at, you need to go through those gates of praise and come through the walls of salvation. God has made that abundantly clear. God's made that accessible and available to everybody. He sent a prophet around the world to bring a message that now is in every language and everybody has access to it. Go through it. Go through it. Don't stop. Don't wait on the outside. I've mentioned this to you, this scripture to you before. What God wants us to do is to enter in fully. He wants us to enter into the place where it's just you and him. He wants you to come through those gates, come through that place, and be in there with him, and abide with him, and live with him, and love with him, and and, uh, give your praise to him. We're coming through the gates of praise. We're not coming through gates of fear. Do you realize how much of an issue fear is today? Do you realize how much of an issue control is today. Do you realize how much of an issue that, uh, you know, the pressures are today that are in this world? Hey, it's, it's a, it's a hard enough thing to be pressurized if you're an astronaut going somewhere and you need to be pressurized for that. What a terrible and a useless thing it is to be pressurized to go nowhere. If you're under pressure and you're going nowhere, what a useless thing that is. And there's a lot of people who would like to get out from underneath the pressure and out from underneath the financial pressure and the, and the social pressure and all the other things that the world presses them into. And we live in a time where it's all falling apart and people are trying to keep it together and all the rest of it. In that last day, the message is very simply this. Go through the gates. God's identified the gate. Go through the gates. Go through the gates of praise. Not fear, but praise. What should we be doing? I'm not going to spend my energy trying to figure out what's going to happen tomorrow. Because you know what? If I figure out what's going to happen Monday, somebody's going to change it for Tuesday. Right? So there's really not much point. There's not much benefit in that. Our faith is based on more than whims. Our faith is based on more than just feelings. Come on. Our faith is based on something solid. We have the thus saith the Lord. We have the absolute that God's given to us. And our faith is exhibited as we carry on and we proceed through these gates with praise. The Lord has sent the message to every land. Tell the people of Israel, look, he said, your Savior is coming. This is the day that Israel's brought in. But before that happens, the bride is taken out. Hey, this is our day. Go through the gates. Go through the gates. Don't hold back. Go through the gates. And take advantage of everything that God has for us. Brother Branham says, watch outside the walls. He said, spread across the earth. And he's talking about, this is the message of future home, and he's talking about our place that we're going to, talking about our future home that we'll have after the millennium. And he says, watch the outside of the walls. Spread across the new earth. Nations will dwell in eternal peace. Honored kings will bring their glory into it. But no sin will enter there. No more bobbed hair women will enter that city. I'll guarantee you that. No more short-wearing, cigarette-smoking, whoremongers, lies, idolaters, whatever. They won't enter that city. No, he says it'll be all over. Hey, folks, think about what he just said. When we get inside that city, even if we're spiritually just getting inside that city now, it'll be a sinless people who make it inside. We're not going to bring our worldliness into that city. That's why, that's why uh, you know, uh, holiness to me is still something that's correct. Holiness is still something that's right. Is that okay? 
And I mean, if we need to drop back on cutting hair, fine. If we need to drop back on, uh, you know, marrying somebody who's a believer, fine, we can do that. Uh, if we want to talk about paying our tithes, hey, we can do that. You know, that's not a problem. But uh, you know what? God is wanting us to come through these gates. He's wanting us to advance to the place where we can live and we can walk with him and enjoy these things that are inside the city for us. But the world and worldliness does not get through those gates. The cigarette, smoking, the short wearing, all of that doesn't get through that gate. So in other words, God's transforming his people as they're coming through those gates of praise because they've come to the walls of salvation and they've come through that and God wants you to enter into the joys that he has for you. That's what he's talking about with Israel right here. Brother Bram's talking about, you know, eventually when we all get to that place and we'll physically all be in that city together, there will be a certain kind of people over there. Hey, I have news for you. If you don't hear anything else I've heard said today, listen to this. Death doesn't change you. It only changes your dwelling place. And if that's the case, if we're a sin-loving people, we have no business going through those gates. Because that doesn't exist on the other side of the wall. On the other side of salvation, your worldly habits don't exist. Are we okay? On the other side of the wall of salvation... If you're a smoker on this side and you're a smoker on that side, I'd say somehow or another you missed something going through those gates. Right? Are we okay? So going through that, going through that whole process here in the last day, and, and this is what, this to me, that's what's exciting, that the whole world is covered in darkness and, the, and there's gross darkness over the people, but there's a group of people that say, hey, there's the gate out of my way. And they're on their way through that gate into the other side. Sin will be gone. Nothing defile its holiness over there. That's what he said. All has passed away forever. How do we get, how do we get to our future home? How do we get there? Well, very briefly, basic faith principles include this idea of asking and receiving. Not a thing in the world wrong with that. The Bible says that we have not because we ask not. Right? And Jesus even says in his teaching, he says, which of you will ask your father for a stone and he'll give you a, or sorry, give you a bread and he'll give you a stone? So it's right to ask our Heavenly Father. Everything we have, we have because he has blessed us. Right? Everything that we enjoy is because he has, you know, blessed us and, and uh, allowed us to be able to make money, to be able to uh, have an education in our world. And all the other blessings that is given to us. There's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with asking. But faith doesn't stop right there. James says that we should ask of God, but when we ask, we should ask in faith. Not be double-minded, but rather we should ask in faith. So, in a sense, the basic faith principle is, is a concept of seeking things that you could not provide for yourself, otherwise you wouldn't be asking for it. And thanking God when you receive it. Nothing wrong with that. That's an elementary idea of faith. John chapter 5. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. That's a greatly comforting scripture. And if we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him and so forth. Brother Branham says anything that you have need of, no matter what it is. If it's sickness, you have need of healing. If it's trouble, you have need of relief. If you're wearied and bothered... Need a peace. Come now, won't you? Because that's the idea. When we come in faith to God and we have a need, we can present that need or put that need at his feet and then just watch. He said, you see, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. He does this. And you know what? God delights in providing things for us. How many would agree? 
If you need salvation, if you've never gotten in here, but you're still out here as a separate entity, and you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I believe salvation is available. I believe the waters of baptism are available. The blood of Christ still atones for sin. I believe that today. And I believe that there's a a need that's been met that none of us could meet for each other. No parent could meet for their child. It's a need only Christ met on the cross. And I believe that that's still available today. If you have a, if you have a sickness today, I believe, that, and, and there's a need of healing, I believe he's still a healer today, the same as he ever was. He is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. This concept of seeking God for the things that you have need of and watching him work on your behalf, hey, I, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a marvelous thing. And it's a benefit of being a Christian. It's a benefit. It's a, it's a bonus of being a Christian because he supplies our every need. And we have a place to turn. Even if you go down in death, God's provided something for you after this life. Right? No matter how many quotes you take. And I mean, when you start to look at all the things that the Holy Spirit does for us. David says, I will cry unto the Most High, unto God that performeth all things for me. I will cry unto God, the Most High, and unto God that performeth all these things for me. The performance of things in my life. The fact that you see and understand the Word of God. The fact that you have, a, uh, you have a, an inclusion among the bride of Christ is not something that you decided. You didn't come and test out all the churches and say, you know what, I really like HBT more than any other one. It's like Brother James out there. Remember when Brother James came down the road picking up cans by the side of the road, and all of a sudden it's just, see, there was an awareness. It was like something woke him up and said, I'll go to that church. That'll be my church. And Brother James doesn't know HBT from whatever. He didn't know that. But somehow or another, God anchored something in his heart. And he knew that that was the right place. Came in, and when he came in, he never left. Buried him right out of this church here. Matthew 19, But Jesus beheld him and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Let me tell you. George Mueller said one time to his wife, George Mueller's life story is a great story, great missionary minister back in the olden days, and, and uh, he was one who had some great, great testimonies regarding how God provides and money. And his, his autobiography is a fantastic book. I've read it uh, several times. And he told his wife one day, he said, Honey, he said, we're down to 25 cents and every promise in the Bible. He, he felt like even though we don't have much physically, we have all the promises in the Bible and we can appeal to God. Hey, let me tell you sometimes, our faith begins where our ability ends. Our faith, be, real faith begins when our ability ends. When our, when our ability to accomplish something runs out and we have no more resources, usually that's where your real faith kicks in. Now let me say this. The Holy Spirit does many things for us. We've given you some of these quotes before. Brother Bram said, remember the Holy Spirit come to seal those who God foreknew. It takes a conversion. The Holy Spirit come to seal those who God foreknew. It takes a conversion. God has to do it. No man comes to Jesus except God draws him first. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit even to turn your heart. It takes God. Even when we were sinners, he loved us. 
intellectual will never do it. Mental conception will never do it. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that brings the human being to his place. Now, let me submit to you one more statement here. And I will leave you with this because we've run out of time. This whole idea of a final exodus is really, you know, that which we find ourselves involved in. And that is the final steps of the Gentile people before we leave here and our bodies are changed. If Enoch left by faith, and he's our type, then we also shall have to leave here by faith. My question to you this morning is, how do we get that faith? How do we be ready for that particular time for our leaving? We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. But let me also suggest this to you as well, that it is not just a simple faith of asking and receiving from God, although that's a good thing. And I don't mean to belittle that or mischaracterize that. That's what the Bible tells us to do, to knock and the door shall be opened. But Enoch had something different from everyone on earth where he, he believed to the point that his body actually disappeared. He was changed, we say in our language. He was not. And his not was connected to his walk. Because he walked with God and he pleased God. And before he left, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So somehow or another, this, this act of pleasing God and the level of faith he had transcended even the power of nature to hold him here. Now that's pretty impressive. We don't know many people in the world who've done that. But here Brother Branham tells us or challenges us in spiritual food in due season. Now he says, I want you to get built up in the holy oracles of God. And he keeps using this phrase in the faith, the faith of this hour. It's going to take more faith than ever was in any age. For this has to be rapturing faith, be taken up. And so we want you to believe tonight in all you have seen and heard, and the word that you've heard preached, and the signs and wonders that you've seen done. And he goes on to say, we want you to take all of that and accumulate that in your heart and, and, and figure out whether that is of God or not. And he says, and let that just sink deep into your heart. Because we want to have the faith. We want to have whatever he had to get from where we are to where we need to be. And Enoch had it. Enoch had it and walked with it every day. He practiced it in a way that his mind, I guess, his mind, his focus was really only on God. I'm not going to get involved in the politics of this world or the other, other things of this world. There's lots of it there. We have to live. We have to wash our hands. We have to go to school and all those things. Or we have to do all of those things. But our light is not that. Our natural uh, direction is not determined by natural things. Our, our, sorry, our spiritual direction is not determined by natural things. Our spiritual direction is determined by God. And to me, what I, what I look for, if, if I could say it this way, is not some new message or some new messenger. I look for the Holy Spirit to quicken what he's already given to us. I believe the key is in the package already. I believe what we have need of is already here. What it requires is a quickening of that. And to me, that would be the ultimate revival. The ultimate revival is for God to take this message that he sent by a vindicated prophet 
which is, thus saith the Lord. And so energize that, or so empower that message to come alive in your life, that nature itself won't even be able to keep you. Nature won't be able to hold you here. Not another messenger, not another prophet, not another movement. I would rather, I believe that what we're looking for is the move of God in what we have. To the point where this becomes everything. This walk with God becomes everything. There's nothing else that's important. There's nothing else that displaces it. It becomes everything. Let's stand to our feet. Where do we go to get that faith? I don't believe you need to physically go anywhere other than where you are. How does it come? Obviously, it comes by hearing. But I believe that Enoch, <clears throat> Enoch had, had this in combination with this walk that he had with God. And it was a, not a flawless one, perhaps. We wouldn't suggest that. But I would say this, that he had this confidence, this belief in God that was not based on what his favorite song was but rather how many beans are actually in the jar. So in other words, Enoch would have been the first to testify, it's going to rain. You know what? It's going to rain. It's not, we hope it doesn't rain. Enoch knew it was going to rain. He wasn't the, Noah wasn't the only one who knew that. I believe that Enoch would have known, Enoch would have understood that whatever God said, he's going to bring it to pass. Our message is filled with promises for us in the last day to help us navigate through. I say this, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe things need to be darker for the promises of God to shine brighter for us. That's when things really get bright, is when you, uh, is, is, is in the time that it gets darker. Let's sing that little chorus, I worship you, almighty God, there is none like you. Let's sing that this morning here. I worship you. Almighty God, oh, there is none like you. I worship you, oh, Prince of Peace. That is what I want to do. I give you praise for my righteousness. Oh, I worship you, Almighty God. There is none. Sing it again now. Just worship it this morning, saints. I worship you, Almighty God, for there is none like Yes, I worship you, O Prince of I long to do, and I can.
Dr. Grenfell just kind of drifting off into nowhere. Uh, you know, he did everything he could and just resigned himself to God, went to sleep. I'd say in this hour, it's not a good time for us to go to sleep. It's not, I, believe, I believe God has more for us. I believe he has more to demonstrate in this world. And uh, I, I believe there's more got to happen before we leave here. I believe we're at a point of this, God wrapping this whole thing up. And I believe we've moved into a cycle where things are changing. But I would say this. Don't, don't lay back and go to sleep. Don't put your head on the pillow just yet. I believe God, God's got uh, some more things for us. You know why? You know why I know that for sure? Because you're, I'm, I'm looking at your body right here. I'm looking at your, the carcass here that you've lived in for all these years. And one of these days, I believe that this body is going to have to let go because the pull of that kingdom is going to be greater than the pull that holds you all together uh, in this side. God's not done yet. God's got good things in store for the bride of Christ. How many believe that? He loves you and he cares for you. He wants to bless us even more. He wants you to come and ask. He, he's, he's still everything he ever was. But I believe he's, he's determined. He has ordained that we would somehow be like Enoch, who, he's, who he took off the earth. And he just walked off the face of the earth and left. I'd say, Lord, give me whatever he had. Give me, give, me, give me that quickening power. Whatever he had, that's what I want to have. And if I've got to die to myself, and if I've got to let go of some, some things, I've got to let go of some attitudes and things, then, Lord, whatever it takes. But when a people start praying, whatever it takes, and you ought to be looking around because God may do something that you may not expect. But, hey, saints of God, if that's our way out of here, I say bring it on. Bring it on and bring the people home. Because I don't know about you. I've had just about enough of this world. I'd be glad to take that step. How about you? I'd be glad to leave this place, that's for sure. Let's sing that little chorus as we leave today and we go our uh, separate ways. We're, we're gathering back here in the, uh, in, the, in the sanctuary again on Wednesday night. Uh, let's sing that little song. Uh, <clears throat> Give thanks for the grateful heart. That's the one I was thinking of.
Let's sing it this morning here. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the whole. Because he's given Jesus Christ his son. Oh, give thanks with a grateful heart. We give thanks to the Holy Spirit. Because he's given Jesus Christ.
see the world as a smaller place, to see the world as something, Lord, that's we know it's less important to you all the time. It's a place just to be cleansed, a place to be completely renovated. I doubt, Lord, that you have much joy left in this world with all of its troubles and all of its sin and all the different things that happen in it. It's not the way you created it. It's not being used for what you intended. And Lord, in a, in a very real way, we feel the same thing, Lord. We, we desire something more pure, something better, something more real. And I pray, Lord, you'd prepare us for that day. Do that work in our hearts, Lord, that must be done. Whereby we give you the right preeminence that you deserve. We give you the honor and the glory that's deserving of you. Bless the people, Lord, we pray. Minister to every heart. Father, we know you're a supplier. We know you're a provider. We know you're a giver. We know you're a savior. We know you're everything, Lord, that we would have need of in this life. But, Lord, we are the generation that you've chosen to take from this life to another place. And so we want to have that faith as well. Guide us, I pray, in Jesus' name and for your glory. Bless those who are listening, Lord. And we commit the people to you and their needs. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, we ask. Oh. 